Well, brethren, let us once again turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus as we have sung in this hymn and look for his help as we come to his word. Let's pray. Our Father, we come once again to consider your word. We thank you for bringing us together this morning in the name of Jesus. And gathering in the name of Jesus, we know that Jesus is here. For you have promised. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to each of us. That you would speak peace and speak those things we need to hear. And that as we consider our plans and your will, (coughs) as with anything in life, as believers, that we would always be looking unto Jesus. And we pray for those who've never looked upon Jesus, that you would open their eyes today, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord Jesus, open their eyes that they may see you in all your glory, see you for who you are as the Son of God, that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God would shine in their hearts in the face of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would do your work of salvation and grace this morning. Lord, we ask you will be merciful to each of us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the previous hour, we began this consideration of the topic of our plans and God's will. And we note that as we live the Christian life, God is working on us, God is working in us, and God is working through us. And as we live life, we encounter situations and circumstances that requires us to address various things. And along the way, we often find ourselves where we have to make decisions in life, Often we make plans, whether it's planning a budget, planning a vacation, planning for retirement, maybe planning to start a business or house, planning for marriage or planning for education, etc. We consider these things are part of living life in this world, but we want to live life to the glory of God. And so my desire in considering this topic, that we would be encouraged and equipped to face what God brings into our lives or what he takes out of our lives, and that we would plan in faith, trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. So we note that in terms of our plans and God's will. We considered God's will. How God's will is known to us in three categories. Firstly, (coughs) excuse me, God's decree. That is what God has purposed in himself from all eternity, what will come to pass. All things that happen in the world has been purposed by God. Although he's not the author of sin, but he has ordained all things that occurs 
in this world. That is God's decree. Secondly, we considered how God's will is known to us as he reveals his will in the Holy Scriptures, in the Bible. As we read the Scriptures, we learn God's will for our lives, God's will for what we are to believe. And so the Scriptures is a guide for us to fulfill and do the will of God. As we noted in the Deuteronomy passage, the secret things belong to the Lord, that's God's decree, but the things that are revealed belong to us, that's God's revealed will, which we have in Scripture, and only in Scripture. And then thirdly, we note that God's will is known to us by his providence. By his providence. The world calls it luck, but the accurate term is providence. And as it says in our confession, God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, he does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures in all things. And even as the opening scripture, I thought it was interesting in Daniel chapter 4, where Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses, he recognized that God does according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants on earth. And God's will is fulfilled in his providence, that is, the rising of the sun, the shining of the sun, the rays of the sun hitting that point at, that, at this time, that's all God's providence. The birds uh, that fly in the air and or that fall to the ground, the sparrow that falls, that's all God's providence. Everything that occurs in our lives, that, that truck that got in front of you that is holding you up, that's in God's providence. That lady at the checkout that's counting all the pennies, and you say, come on, I want to go, and she's counting all the pennies, that's God's providence. You buy the lady, you've got to learn patience. And so the Lord works in our lives, and we, in our own breathing, the breath that we breathe, he sustains life, he governs all things. And so in this we know God's will in these three categories. God's decree is none of our business. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't make plans based on God's decree. So, but we know that we should be aware that if things happen unexplained, unexpected, we know that God has a purpose in all things. Romans 8:28, and we know for those who love God that God works all things together for good according to his purpose. So there you have a good summary there. And then we um, looked at our first point. This is, that was introductory. Our first point is that when it comes to our plans and God's will, we need to understand that planning, making a plan, is a reflection of God, our creator. We are made in the image of God. And we noted how God created the world according to her plan. 
The first day he created light. <clears throat> the second day he created the sky. The third day he gathered the waters and caused the land to appear. The fourth day he created the sun and the moon. The fifth day he created the birds and the fish. <clears throat> and then on the sixth day he created the animals, the insects, and insects, and last of all, he created man. God did not create man on the first day. Because on the first day it was nothing but darkness and water, and there was nothing, <clears throat> there was no shape of things at that point. Had God created man, where would man be? Floating and swirling around in darkness and water? You see, God created the world by plan. What he did on day one was foundational for what he did on day two, etc., etc. And so, as we are made in God's image, we too operate by plan. There's some things I didn't mention, but when God commanded man to subdue the earth, you think of as image bearers the great bridges that are made when you go to New York and you <clears throat> travel the George Washington Bridge or you go through the Holland Tunnel. God gave man wisdom to do those things and they had to plan this out to make a tunnel go through water. Someone had to think it through and, and work out the details or to establish a bridge that can, where many vehicles can travel across that this bridge connecting, covering from New Jersey over the Hudson River to New York. And then you have other bridges that connect the boroughs of New York, because there are five boroughs in New York City. And you have all kinds of things there for travel. Just think of the wisdom. Think of the Panama Canal that was made, how Teddy Roosevelt led the charge on that, this waterway that separated this canal and Panama so that oceans can travel through the Atlantic Ocean across to the Pacific Ocean. You see, man subdue the world, and all these things that are done has to have a plan. So it's in our DNA to plan. So therefore, making a plan is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not being unspiritual <clears throat> to make a plan. So, so I underscore the fact that planning is good and we ought to plan. Now, we come to our second point. How do we regard our plans? What should we think about our plans? All right? <clears throat> We've made a plan. We've read the scriptures. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God has his decree. We're reading our Bibles. And we know that, oh, yes, God is, he has a decree. And then we're thumbing through our Bibles and we're reading other passages. And God has his providence. And God has revealed things, which what we do. And so we make our plan. We pray about it. We get counsel. And we have a very good plan. People are in agreement with us. It's a good plan. But what should our attitude be toward our good plan? First of all, we must remember this. Under this point. <clears throat> our plans are subject to God's wisdom. As good as it is. Our plans, even the best of plans, are subject to God's wisdom. We must remember that God's wisdom is going to rule the day in terms of our plans. We execute our plans. <clears throat> we have a desired outcome 
But the outcome, as well as the execution and all that happens along the way, it is all determined by God's wisdom. And one brother told me from another church, and I like how he said this, God overrules our ignorance. God overrules our ignorance. Now, by saying that we have ignorance, that's simply acknowledging that we don't know everything. That's not an insult, it's a fact. We don't know everything, but God knows all things. And God is the one who is in control of all things. His decree, His revealed will, His providence. So we make a plan, as good as it is, we must remember, brethren, that God will overrule our ignorance. He overrules our ignorance when it comes to our words. Proverbs 16.1 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from Jehovah. Sometimes we go in and we we think about, well, whether it's an interview or whether we're going to have this conversation, this difficult conversation we have to have with a relative or with a friend or with a brother, and we plan out what we're going to say. We're going to address the issue. First of all, we're going to talk about this. Then I want to touch on that. But then when you get into the conversation, it goes a totally different direction. And the end result becomes a very positive result. You may have arranged and planned that you were going to address it this way, but God had so guided the conversation and it went in a different way against what you had planned, but it brought about a very positive result. See, the plan of the heart belongs to man. We should think about what we should say, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I think of uh, another verse that <clears throat> looks at it on the contrary. In Luke 21, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says this. Now, granted, this is the Holy Spirit working in the heart of a believer. But he says that when you come before magistrates, and this is when Christians are being persecuted for their faith, <clears throat> or the disciples themselves, and you're brought before rulers and governors, and they're questioning you. And Jesus says, settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to withstand or gainsay, that is to resist. In other words, Jesus says, as a Christian, as a believer, when you're brought into situations and it's a matter of persecution, there are those who are enemies, those who oppose you, and they want to put you on the spot, and they want to catch you in your words. Jesus is saying, don't meditate beforehand what you, what you shall answer, because I will give you a mouth and wisdom. I will be with you. I will give you the words that you need to say in that hour. So therefore, God will overrule our ignorance under such circumstances. Don't be afraid. If you're a believer, you love the Lord, you're seeking to be faithful to Him, and you find yourself in a situation, you can pray like Nehemiah. Just send up a quick prayer and say, Lord, help me. I don't know what to say, but Lord, I want to be faithful. I want to be true. 
Lord, be with me, be with my mind, be with my mouth, and the Lord Jesus will help you in that hour to speak. And we know that in church history where people were brought before leaders, whether they were even, even teenagers and young people, and they were brought before and they were challenged for their faith, and God gave them boldness in that hour to speak, and God was with them. So our plans are subject to God's wisdom. Not only he overrules what come, when it comes to our words, but he also overrules our ignorance when it comes to our actions. When it comes to our actions. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 reads this. A man's heart devises his way, but Jehovah directs his steps. You know that verse. A man's heart devises his way, that is, comes up with a plan of what he's going to do. But it is the Lord who directs his steps. Think about this. Where would you be today if everything you planned and attempted came to pass? Just think of all the, the circumstances you've been in in your life. Where would you be if all of your plans have come to pass? Now, I don't know anyone, maybe there may be few people where they're pretty much consistent, but I don't know many people where they could say that everything they've thought, everything they planned from their youth to their adulthood has come to pass. Everything. You can think back, even as a believer, where you've prayed for something and you did not, and God did, didn't give you what you prayed for. He gave you something else. You prayed for this door to open and God didn't open and he opened up another door. And how you look back, and I was speaking with one of the brothers here, how we can look back in hindsight and see how God had led us. But at the time, we don't know what, how things are going to turn out. We're in a situation. We make a plan. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I want you to look at these missionaries who made plans to conduct their work of missions. Now granted, even though it's the Apostle Paul, and what we're going to read it applies to us. It doesn't just apply to missionaries. It applies to all of God's people. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read beginning in verse 6 where Paul and his companions, they had made attempts to go bring the gospel in certain places. But they were redirected to go to other places by the spirit of Jesus. They had a plan, but God's will was different. Notice this verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And they went forth through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden of the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So think this. They wanted to go to Asia, but they were redirected to go through Phrygia, and Galatia 
by the Holy Spirit. And when they were, verse 7, and when they were come over against Mysia, they essayed or intended to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus permitted them not. They wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There was a man of Macedonia standing, begging him and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And when we had seen the vision, straightway we sought to go forth to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So granted, they had a vision. Now remember, I said, we have the revealed word. We don't rely upon visions. But this was the Apostle Paul. And in this way, what we see in this passage, Paul, they wanted to do good. They wanted to minister in certain places. But the Spirit of God forbade them. The Spirit of Jesus forbade them. God gave them a, a vision. And from that vision, they conclude that God had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Their plan was not to go right to Macedonia. Their plan was to go to other places. And you see how God guided them. Now, the principle we can derive from this is not that we should expect the Holy Spirit to speak to us, not that we should expect that we would get visions from God, but we have the written Word of God. The things that are revealed are here in Scripture. And as we peruse the Scripture, as we look for principles, knowing as it says in Proverbs, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his step, we prayerfully seek, Lord, here is my plan, and we submit our plan to God. Here's my plan, Lord. May your will be done. Lead me. Guide me. This is what I plan to do. But I look to you to guide and direct and, and trust you for the outcome of this plan. You see, that's our attitude toward our plans. We must recognize that God may overrule our ignorance. Thirdly, another way we should look at our plans and this is important. They're all important, but this is something. We have a good plan, right? We carefully laid it out. We must not trust in our plan, but in God alone. We must not trust in our plans, but in God alone. You know, as Americans, not just Americans, but even living in this world, but we like to, we want the formula. Give me the steps. If I do step one, step two, step three, I'm guaranteed to have this result. And you know, they say, why do you keep doing the same things and expect a different result? You gotta do something different. You know, they use that in business and in life. You gotta do something different. Well, there may be, there's some truth to that. You know, I will admit there's some truth to that. But, our plans are not ultimate. 
Just because we have a plan, and it is a God-honoring plan, based upon principles from the Word of God, we must put our faith and trust in God and not in our plan. We must recognize that God is bigger than our plan. God's will is ultimate. And everything hinges on this. If the Lord will. We say that. And you know that in James chapter 4. Yeah, turn with me to James chapter 4. We can look at this verse here. We won't spend a lot of time, but just so you can... You know the verse. You know the passage. But I want you to see it with the eye. James chapter 4. And here James is condemning sinful boasting. How people brag about what they're going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to go here. And then after that we're going to have this. And man we're going to have it made. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they're like yeah I got this. I got this. And I know. And this is going to work out. Because I believe it. I believe this so strongly. Right? People talk that way. But they shouldn't talk that way. Verse 13, come now you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into this city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to trade and get gain. We're going to make profits. Whereas you do not know what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? For you are a vapor that appears a little while and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall both live and do this or that. You see what's being condemned? It's, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with planning to go into a city. There's nothing wrong with planning to spend a year there. There's nothing wrong with planning to trade and planning to make a profit, planning for your business to grow. There's nothing wrong with making the plan, but what is wrong is the attitude. It's a proudful, arrogant attitude that this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to come to pass because we got this. We're so smart. We're so wise. And we're going to make it happen. That's what's being condemned. But we must recognize, and even as James says here, it all hinges on the will of God. It all hinges on the will of God. And, and you think about, really, if you really think about it honestly, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. I mean, we do have sense, and we, we base things upon what we see and hear, but that's all that we can do. And based upon the Word of God, but at the final analysis, we don't know what the very best thing is. God knows what the very best thing is for us in our lives as individuals and even for you as a congregation. And therefore, we must trust in the Lord. Um, You think of that promise, Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him, that is is actually doxology, but now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask 
or think. God is able to do beyond what we ask. We pray for things. God is able to exceed that. And and God is able to do things that we've never even considered. We've waited out. We have the pros and the cons. But there are other things that we've not considered that God is able to do. And therefore, we must recognize our faith and our trust must be in God. As we have this plan, we must recognize what God will do with our plans is the best for us. And we must trust him and not in our plans. So God isn't limited, brethren, to work according to our plan. If we think, well, if things are going to go well for me in my life, you know, if I get the better paying job, I can move here, buy a bigger house, or downsize, or whatever the case may be, have my kids go to this school, have this and that. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead and make the plan. Make a plan, make it with according to the word of God, but always remember, it doesn't mean that what is good for you in your life is confined and limited by your plan. God can bless us apart from our plan. God can do things that we've never even considered, and therefore, we must always have our faith in God and not in our plan. I'll read two verses from you. Proverbs 20, verse 24 says, A man's goings are of the Lord. How then can man understand his way? God is the one who is orchestrating all these things in our life. Jeremiah 10, verse 23, he said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. No, it is the Lord who directs our steps. And so therefore we must, when we make our plans, we must walk in faith and we must have this mindset. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, including your plan. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, this is bringing us back to basic truths. And in in addressing this subject, brethren, I'm not going to bring something out that no one ever thought of as though I'm the guru of planning. I'm just bringing out what's already there in scripture. I'm just bringing out things you already know. But just helping us to think through these things afresh and really challenge ourselves, and to encourage ourselves to really have the right focus as we live our lives before the Lord. So we learned that planning is in our DNA. We learned that our plans are subject to God's wisdom. And then third, we must not trust in our plans, but in God alone. Now, for some concluding lines of lessons and applications, some things to consider. 
These truths will help us deal with disappointment in a way that honors God. Now, we've all know disappointment. We've all experienced disappointment to one degree or another. Or even frustration, shall I say? These truths will help us deal with disappointment in a way that honors God. It's not a sin to be disappointed. <laughs> it's how you handle it. That is the test. And we need to handle it in a way that is honoring to Lord. For example, you make your plan. It doesn't come past and now there's murmuring and complaining. Or... There could be sinful anger. It's not fair. It's not right. And you know, when we make plans, we invest ourselves in our plan. I'm not talking about financial investment, but we invest our minds, our hearts, the anticipation. Maybe we've sacrificed some things. We denied ourselves for the sake of of fulfilling a plan, or fulfilling a dream, and we really labored hard, we prayed about it, we searched the scriptures. I mean, we put forth a lot of effort in this thing, and the thing just blows up. Well, what do we do? How do we deal with that? Do we murmur and complain? Do we become sinfully angry? Do we get resentful? Well, I had it all going, and it's because of him. Or it's because of her. Or is it because of them? It's just not right. It's not fair. I don't deserve this. I mean, I was honest. I was trying to do the right thing. Or we can have crippling discouragement. And we say, you know what? I give up. I don't care anymore. I mean, what's the use? I tried. Nothing ever seems to work right. And just, I don't care anymore. I give up. No, we don't want to have that attitude as well. Turn with me to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. We have to be like a weaned child. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. Psalm 131. When a mother is nursing the child, a nursing baby, the nursing infant, that nursing infant, although they're not talking, they know where the source of their food comes from. And when they're near their mom's and their mom's chest there, they may reach out and grab because they want to eat and they know that's the source of their food. Not the child not talking yet. And so the child, some children who are not weaned, when they are around the mother, they lose control. They yell, they scream, and they're impatient, and they won't calm down until they get what they want. Now, a child that is weaned, a child that is weaned recognizes there are other ways for them to get food. Now they're eating, mom is feeding them with the spoon, etc., or with the milk bottle. There's other ways. And so now when the child is in the presence of their mother, they're weaned. In other words, they're not losing their mind, going crazy, scratching at the mother, clawing, but the child knows that there's another way. 
There's another way for its happiness, for its contentment and satisfaction. And now the child can be in the mother's presence and be patient and know that the mother will provide what this child needs. And so in our plans, brethren, Although we make a plan, and I'm not saying we make a plan and throw it in the garbage. No, I'm not saying that. We keep our plan, we follow our plan, but we must be weaned from our plan. We must be weaned from our plan. That is, we must recognize, as I said, our our plans are subject to God's wisdom, that this plan is not the only way for our happiness or fulfillment or for to know God's blessing upon our lives, we must not limit God's blessing to the things that we plan and purpose in our lives. And so we must be weaned from those things. Look at Psalm 131. Lord, or Jehovah, my heart is not haughty, haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too wonderful for me. Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in Jehovah from this time forth and forevermore. Like a weaned child, we can sit before God. We can be before the Lord and we can be patient with God and patient in our lives, and have our hope fixed upon the Lord. And so the psalmist says, my heart is not haughty, neither are my eyes lofty, nor do I exercise myself in matters too wonderful for me. That is, things that are too high, beyond my comprehension, beyond my understanding. Do you think you can figure out the world yourself and fix everything that is in the world? I hope not. I mean, we can see things and say, well, why don't they just do this? Well, it's not so easy as that. Because we don't know everything. And so as it is in our lives, <coughs> and <clears throat> we need to be weaned, we must not think that God is obligated to work according to our schedule, according to what we plan and what we prayed for. We prayed for it. And other people are praying with us. No. Remember, brethren, God is bigger than our plans. And God knows what is best for us. Let's say, plan to live a long and healthy life. Then there's nothing wrong with that. Taking good care of you. Diet, exercise, going to the doctor. But God is pleased to bring you home sooner than that. Is God doing something wrong? Yes, it breaks our heart. We miss our loved ones, but the scripture says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And people used to talk about, I'm here on this earth until my work is done. And God does no unrighteousness. Yes, we grieve, we mourn the loss of loved ones whom we love so dearly. We've taken them to the doctor, they've gotten treatments, we've done all of the above, And yet God was pleased to bring them home. And therefore we must submit ourselves to the Lord. Isn't that what Job did? The Lord gives. 
the Lord takes away? Very sobering. Now that is a sobering um, example there, but it's a real one. But from that, the most difficult thing we can endure versus, you know, where am I going to go to school or... You, think, uh, you put life in perspective. When you think of something like that, and you think of the other thing, you say, you know what? I really don't need to get so upset about these things. I mean, God has provided for us. He has sustained us. Granted, it's not, I'm not, it's not quite what I like or everything's not, but, you know, God has his wisdom in this. And we're going to work to try to change the situation Nothing wrong with that as well. <clears throat> but we're not going to grumble about it. We're not going to be discontent. We're not going to be angry. And we're not going to be depressed about it. We're going to just say, hey, this is where God has us. Remember, God's decree, God's providence, God's revealed will. You bring those together. You say, well, you know, God is at work. He's working all things together for good. There are the promises of his word to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, God is working in us. He's working in me and, and he wants me to be more like the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, teach me your way. That's the prayer, right? We want to be taught of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant here. Now speak, of course, through the word of God, not through visions and all that. But we must be like a weaned child. So these truths will help us deal with disappointment in a way that honors the Lord. And secondly, these truths will keep us from pride. Let him that glory, glory in the Lord. And again, go back to what I said. Just think if everything we plan always works out. Just think every time you plan something, it works out. Right on schedule, precisely. We might begin to think some things about ourselves that are not true. We could be tempted for pride. We could say, you know, the problem with you other people is that you don't know how to plan. Let me sit down and tell you how to plan. In fact, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to have a podcast so I can tell the world how to do this. Because all my plans come to pass. Just think of, you know, the temptation to pride. So <clears throat> when our plans don't work out, these truths will keep us from pride. Or if they do come to pass, rather, it will keep us from pride. In Deuteronomy 8, when the children of Israel, when they were about to come into the land of, of Canaan, Deuteronomy 8, verses 17, Moses says, when you come into the land and you dwell in your houses, and things are, are prosperous, remember the Lord. This is the Lord who brought you into your land. And don't say in your heart, by my power and the might of my hand, I have gotten me this wealth. He says, don't say that. Don't say, well, because I worked hard, and I went to school, and I did this, and I did the other. That's why I have what I have. And if you do the same, then maybe you'll make something of your life. So you need to get your act together and, you know, looking down upon others. I worked hard. I went through it. Granted, you worked hard. You went to school. But remember, it's God who brought it to pass. That's the thing. Never take to yourself something that doesn't belong to you. It is always the Lord. If it comes to pass, we know because God's decree 
because of his providence, because of God who rules over all things, never take the glory to yourself and say, I did this. No, if the Lord will, you shall first live and then go into such and such a city and do this and that or the other. Think of this, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. It is vain for you to stay up late at night. It is vain for you to rise up early in the morning. And I'm working hard. In fact, I'm going to work on Sundays. And I'll, I'll skip the evening service and I'll stay home and work. Because I need to, you know, my business and everything. Or, you know what, I don't have time to go to church anymore. You know, I'll just catch it online while I'm driving. You know, I'll tune it up and just kind of listen while I'm driving. And, and so people are focusing more upon themselves in their efforts. They need to remember, unless the Lord builds the house, your labor is in vain. You can stay up all night. You can do all kinds of things, but we want God's blessing upon us. So we, we need to do things God's way if we want to know his blessing. And if God's blessing is something different, it's still a blessing. Because God is using it to keep us and to guide us. Like the psalmist said, Psalm um, 73, you will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. So brethren, as we finish this up here, when making plans, put your faith in God. In fact, brethren, not only have your faith in God, but have God's way and God's will as your preference. Recognize that your plans are fallible. My plan is not perfect, nowhere near perfect. And recognize that God is bigger than my plan, but Lord, you have to do something. You got it. You're in a situation. You have to make a decision. You have to do something, so you should plan. Remember, I said planning is good. I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm helping us to have the right attitude toward the plan and toward the results. So put your faith in God and have as your desire with your plan God's will. Lord, you know what is best. Lord, I submit my plan to you and may your will be done. And may you guide me and may you lead me so that Christ would be honored, so that your name would be glorified so that you would help me if there's things that I need to work on in my life, that you would show me and direct me, but Lord, I have to do something, I'm in a situation, here's my plan, but I look to you, Lord, to guide and lead me. And so you go forward, so whether the plan goes this way or that way, it's a win-win situation for the Christian. It's always a win-win situation, because God works it all for good. You know that God has a purpose. So, brethren, that's all I have to say this morning. May the Lord help us to consider and ponder these principles. Again, nothing profound, nothing you've never heard before. But there's no other way to live. I mean, people people in the world, when life doesn't go the way they planned it, and they don't know God, they're not trusting in God, 
the things they do, the trouble they cause in their own house, among their family, and the decisions they make out of resentment, frustration, and anger, or depression, and they do things that ruins their lives because they have no God. And I say we all, that everyone sitting here in the sound of my voice, put your faith in the Lord. Live for Him. Live for His glory. However long you're here, whatever way God is going to lead and direct you, remember, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This congregation, how God is going to provide for you. When is he going to provide? All of the details, just trust him with all your heart. Yes, go for it. Examine this man. Consider that man or whatever you're considering. But lo, that the Lord will provide in his way, in his time. But don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Trust in the Lord. Trust him with all your heart. Well, let us pray. Our Father, we do ask and pray that you would help us to trust you with all of our hearts and not lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways, with all our plans, to acknowledge you and to know that you will direct our paths. Help us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.